We started Perikei. In Perikei, we started to talk about Shtus de Kedusha. We said that just like you could go below logic, you could also go above logic, beyond logic. Logic is limiting. Logic is concealing. You could go above logic. You don't have a nightmare here. Logic conceals. It only allows you to see what's logical. Really? Essence is so much more than logic. Don't limit yourself to logic. Thank you. We said that for marriage, you need to be able to have shtustakdusha. Because logic will never allow a marriage to start. It's Shtustakdusha which taps in to that unlimited potential, which is what a marriage is all about. Practically, but even more so, spiritually. Spiritually, a marriage is about a husband and wife joining together and building a binyan ade ad, an eternal edifice which is so much more than them. And that's possible only with Shtustakdusha. And we explained as it explains in Tanya, that Eibishter is not something you can touch. In Tanya it says that just like you would laugh at somebody that says that that idea is so high, I can't grasp it with my hand, because ideas aren't grasped in physicality. In the same way, you would laugh at somebody that says, Hashem is so high that I can't grasp him with my mind. Because Hashem is not something which is grasped with logic. And if you want to be with Hashem, close to Hashem, the way to be close to Hashem is If you go above logic, beyond logic, then you're able to be close to Hashem. Of course you should use your logic to connect to Hashem within yourself as much as you can. But to connect to Hashem properly, that you have to go outside of yourself because in yourself there is no room to connect to Hashem. And if you sit next to, to, to someone that has a nightmare, you'll be able to look in together. Come, you can sit next to Oram. So it says, move into the table. You're looking together. Come, move over a little bit. Perfect. Let's continue inside on page 45. Can't turn a corner. It's okay. It's <laughs> Page 45, just one full paragraph from the bottom. 
I just read the end of the last paragraph, that this level is called shtus. Why is it called shtus? Because it's a bitul, which is l'mayla mitam vedas. It's super logical. Just like below logic is called shtus, super logical is also called shtus. Now we're continuing. And we say that this is why we find a navi, a prophet, is called Mishuga. We find that in Tanakh. Look inside. V'zehu gam mashahanavi, a prophet, nikra b'shem Mishuga. He's called him Tanakh with the name Mishuga. Ukameshikasav, like it says in the verse, with regard to the people looking at someone who was prophesizing, and they said, Madu Abba HaMishuga Hazah. Why is this Mishugana coming? A Mishugana? Yeah. That's an English word. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody uses it. Yeah. A foolish person, a crazy yeah. person. Why is this Mishugana coming? That's the, the, the Apostle in Tanakh describing a prophet. A Mishugana? Why is he called a Mishugana? Because what is a prophet? What's the idea of prophecy? What is prophecy? Um, prophecy is when Hashem actually speaks to you. S- not to you. Through you. Through you. Uh, Hashem speaking through you. You're conveying the message of Hashem. What's the problem, John When uh, you're conveying the message of Hashem, for you to convey the message of Hashem, what's the most important thing for you to do to properly convey the message of Hashem? Move out of the way. You move out of the way. So you first of all, you move out of the way that you're not thinking about chocolate danishes or cinnamon danishes or um, uh, brownie bars, etc. When you are conveying the message of Hashem. That's the lower level of getting out of the way. Get your nefesh abahamis, your animal soul, out of the way. But there's a deeper getting out of the way. Get your intellect out of the way. Because your intellect also blocks Hashem. Don't let your intellect conceal godliness. Make your intellect move out of the way. What happens when a person behaves without intellect? What's he called? A Meshuggana. So for a Navi to say prophecy, he's got to be? Meshuggah. Exactly. He got the word. He's got to be Meshuggah. At the time of the revelation of prophecy, it was necessary for him to be He needed to divest himself, to divest himself of all gashmias, of all physicality. Of all physicality. That means divesting himself, it doesn't just mean divesting himself of physicality that he's not connected to cinnamon danishes anymore. It means divesting himself of physicality that he's divesting himself of his limitations, of his tzir, which his tzir is not God. And when he wants to communicate God's word, he needs to make sure that it's God that he's communicating and not him. 
And in order to do that, he needs to divest himself of his seichel and his midas, of his intellect and his emotions. That the intellect and emotions are called garments. The reason why they're called garments is because what is the nature of a garment? Just like the nature of Eilam, world, is that world conceals, so too the nature of a garment is that a garment conceals. And it's important for a garment to conceal. Because if a garment wouldn't conceal, you wouldn't be so tzniyastik. So it's the objective of a garment is to conceal, but to convey the word of Hashem, he needs to divest himself of these concealments. That he should be on a level of bitl, which is higher than the nature, higher than logic. He needs to reach a super logical way. He needs to be a meshugane in order to prophesize. There are certain things that a normal person does not do. Now, there are certain things a normal person does not do, like a normal person doesn't go to a rock concert. It's a crazy thing to do, right? Sugar, whatever, other things like that. But there are also certain things that a normal person does not do. A normal person doesn't become a Hatzala volunteer. Why? Because you have to be a little bit crazy to do something like that. Etc. Etc. Things which are That means to go and extend yourself beyond logic. To be a navi, you can't be normal. A navi is not a normal person. If a navi is a normal person, then what type of prophecy is that after all? That's just another person standing on a soapbox and giving over his thoughts and ideas. <clears throat> if a navi is giving over Godliness, he needs to be Meshuga. That's the point that we're making over here. The Zehu Gamkein Inyan Hafshatas Halavushim Be'esa Nevoa. This is also the idea of divesting oneself of one's garments at the time of prophecy. Now we're getting a little bit dicier. That the Navi, not only would he be called a Meshugana, he would also rip off his garments while he prophesied. A Navi would take off all of his clothing while he was prophesizing. As it says in the Pasuk, with regard to Shaul, when Shaul started to say prophecy for the first time after he was suddenly inspired because of his accomplishment with this level of prophecy. It says, He too began to remove his garments, his clothing, and he began to say prophecy. What's taking off garments have to do with prophecy? Because ultimately, your garments are part of your tzir. Let's think back to the history of the clothing industry. When did clothes begin? Adam and Eve, that's right. When in Adam and Eve, Eve's story did clothing begin? After they sinned. Why did clothing begin only after they sinned? Before then it was not necessary for them to clothe themselves. There was nothing wrong with them. The shame of my own personality, the shame of my own interests, 
begins only with sin. Yeshus. When I am a self-separate existence, not part of Hashem, then I have to be embarrassed of myself. And I have to be tzniistic. As I've told you before, it's gesund. As I've told you before, that there's an expression in Yiddish, the ganze emes, you're not allowed to tell a lie. But you don't need to tell the whole truth. The whole truth, that's said only one place in the mikvah. <laughs> because everywhere else, as my grandmother used to say, never trust a man with a mustache. Because any man with a mustache is hiding something. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> um, the, if a person has clothing, has garments, he's covering something up. And why is he covering it up? He's covering it up because of embarrassment, as it says with Adam and Eve. Why is he embarrassed? He's embarrassed because he is himself. From godliness, there's nothing to be embarrassed. And Navi, at the time of his prophecy, is supposed to reach a level of complete divestment of his self to the level of Adam and Chava before their sin. That's the objective. Let's read inside. Va'alavushim heimboim mitzad chet eitzadas. Garments were introduced into the world as a result of the sin of the tree of knowledge. Before the sin, it says in the verse, they were both naked, and they were not embarrassed. Why were they not embarrassed? Because there was nothing to be embarrassed of. They were in every part of themselves projections of godliness here in the world. They were, as we said earlier in this mimer, our objective is to be completely transparent. And someone who is completely transparent, he has no reason to be embarrassed. He's not embarrassed of anything. Now, the embarrassment that we feel and the necessary tzniyas that comes as a result, it's the way that things are supposed to be. Don't think that this mimer is encouraging uh, walking around without clothes, any cultures like that. That's not the point. The point is, though, to understand where that embarrassment comes from. That embarrassment comes from yashos. It comes from chet. It comes from sin. It comes from a self-existence which is separate from Hashem. And therefore, before the sin, it says, Through the sin of the tree of knowledge, that's where garments were introduced to the world. 
v'yaduan it's known the ikker hachet hu ahergish amaurv mitoyv vera. What was the sin of the tree of knowledge as is known and discussed at great length? Now is not the time to elaborate on this, but is discussed at great length in the commentaries and especially the Hasidic commentary on the beginning of Bereshis, it's the feeling where good and evil become intertwined. Before the sin of tree of knowledge, evil existed, but evil, evil was separate from good. The Yetzir Hara was outside of us. He wasn't inside of us. The sin of the tree of knowledge, the knowledge brought that negativity, that Yetzir Hara, it brought it from being outside in the form of the Nachash, of the original serpent, it brought it inside of me. That's the intertwined feeling of good and evil. Uksiv, and it says that as a result of this feeling, so now every person has personal interests. And if he has personal interests, then indeed in his nakedness, there is the vayedu keirumimim. There's the knowledge that I'm naked because I'm no longer transparent. I'm now opaque. And if I'm opaque, then my nakedness is something to be embarrassed of. That there is being introduced into them this feeling of good and negativity mixed together. That although in one's nakedness is the the intimacy which we spoke about in the beginning of this chapter, the intimacy between a husband and wife. And that connection which draws down the Shekhinah into this world. And that's the holiest level, the highest level that a person can achieve to the point that we said about Rabbi Shmuel by Rabbi Yitzchak, that he achieved a level which was greater than anyone else in the generation because he encouraged this togetherness, this unity between a husband and wife. But together with that, there's also that feeling, that geschmack, that personal pleasure, that also negative evolution of that same intimacy, as we discussed yesterday as well. The opposite extreme, which exists in the very same intimacy. Why? Because there's the eruv, the mixture of good and evil together. And therefore, Vayedu, the Das, brought them to a knowledge, ki that they were naked. This is the idea of garments. Garments is me. Garments is my expression. Garments is my presentation. I want my garments to be unique. The way that I dress should be special. Could you imagine two women showing up at a chasana and finding that they're both wearing the same exact dress? It's a tragedy of tragedies. Right? Why? Because my garment is about me. It's about what makes me special. At its source. It's the feeling of intellect and emotions. So really that's what it's about, is going beyond intellect and emotions, going beyond those inner garments in order to be able to connect 
to Hashem. And the getting back to the point that we started, Velochein, and therefore, Be'esanavu, at the time of prophecy, Hayatzarech Lies Havshata Salavushim, it was necessary to remove the garments. Shahu Inin Havshata Sasahergish, the Seichel Midis, really what that's about is removing my tzir, removing my form, removing my my expression so that Hashem's communication through me should be 100% pure and should not get mixed up with me at all. And that's the feeling of intellect and emotions, which is me and what is separate about me, my own garments, my own personal inner garments. Vahainu, that means, Lies Bebchinas Bittol that a person should be in a state of complete bittel. That's what shtus de ultimately is about. Shtus de is about being in a state of bittel, of connectivity to Hashem through making room for Hashem. My father told us when we were little that avu gefint men dem eberste that in, in Kotsk, excuse me, they used to say, that where can you find God? So in Kotsk, they had a unique answer for that question, just like all questions in Kotsk. They said, wherever you let him in, where can you find God? Where you make room for him. The more space I take up, the less space there is for God. means hollowing myself out, so to speak, so that I make more room for godliness inside of me. Or, in the words that we were using earlier, making myself completely transparent so that godliness is able to shine through me. And that's why a Navi, a prophet, needed to divest himself of any selfness in order that godliness should be able to shine through him. And anything that conveyed selfness primarily we're speaking about the intellect and emotions needed to be moved aside in order that godliness should be able to be projected through him. And the Mimer continues and brings down how this is also expressed in Halacha Kumavur Barambam, as explained in the Rambam Behilchas Yisaydi in the laws of the foundations of Torah, that the Rambam over there says, Mi Yisaydi Hadas, one of the foundations of religion, is Leida to know Shahakel Yisbarach Adam that God gives prophecy to people. God can connect to people to the level of prophecy that means to a level where they're completely one with Him. and this prophecy Chala it it rests Al Chacham on a wise person Vigibar and a mighty person, a strong person. What does it mean that he's strong? It doesn't mean that he can bench 150 pounds, but rather that hamiskaber al yitzroi, that he he wins over his yitzer. Ve'ein yitzroi miskaber alav. That's why there's no mezainas today. Ve'ein yitzroi miskaber alav, and his yitzer does not strengthen over him b'shum davar in anything. Ukemavur sham ba'arucha, as it says over there at length. In other words, to be a navi, you cannot allow your yitzer hara to obscure you at all. And if your Yetzirah is obscuring you, then you're not prophesizing the word of God. That's why this level is called foolishness. 
because it's swerving above logic, just like the other type of shtus is swerving below logic. Now the Mimer continues and gets back to the idea that we started off earlier, the material that the Mishkan was built out of. The Mishkan is a place which the objective of the Mishkan is to be a completely transparent place where Hashem is dwelling, where Hashem is shining through it. And if you want that Hashem should shine here in this world, it's not enough to take a logical approach because a logical approach ultimately is obscuring. It's not transparent. If you want to be completely transparent, you need to have the behemoth's you need to be connected to Hashem on a level which is super logical. And furthermore, if you want Hashem to be here inside of this world, and this is a world which is filled with shtus, the other kind of shtus, the shtus which is lower than logic, and you want that Hashem should be here in this world, you have to take that shtus which is lower than logic and transform it to shtus which is higher than logic. You need to turn it over. Like we said earlier in the Maimer, the Yisrin Ha'ar Haba Min HaChayshech, when you transform darkness into light. Let's read inside. V'liyes and since, Sh'havayda b'mishkan u'b'mikdash, that Aveda in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash, Hula'ahapcha chashaycha l'naira, is to turn over darkness into light. And again, turning over darkness into light doesn't just mean that you appreciate the light instead of the darkness. It means that the darkness itself shines. That's the greatest weapon that a person can possibly have is where his darkness is shining. Everybody has good moods. Everyone has good moods. The good moods is the light. And everybody appreciates their good moods more than their bad moods. That everyone appreciates the light more than the darkness. But everyone also has bad moods. Everyone has darkness. That the darkness itself should shine. That a person should feel good. Even when he wakes up on the wrong side of his bed. That a person should be able to function, not just function, but blossom, even when he's in a darker place, that's the ultimate weapon. It's the ultimate weapon of an army when they have night vision goggles, or even more so that they don't even need the night vision goggles, because they're able to see in the darkness, like we know in Mitzrayim, and like we know in other battles that the Yidin have fought with the miracles that Hashem made for them. The same is true also in our own personal lives. When our darkness shines, that's the greatest level. And that's the objective. The objective of being here is not just to make light shine, but to make darkness shine. Vahainu, and that means the foolishness, which is the foolishness of the world, of the opposite side. Transform it to the ultimate level of connection to Hashem. That means this foolishness, 
I remember one time there was somebody who was complaining about the fact that Lubavitchers sit in the sukkah when it rains. Someone who sits in the sukkah when it rains and, and the chazal, it seems to call him a shaita, a fool. Why are you acting like such a fool to sit in the sukkah when it rains? And I asked this person, well, did he ever go to a rock concert? I said, yeah, he went to a rock concert. I said, and in the rock concert, did it matter if it was raining or squishy or any of the... No, when you're in the rock concert, everything else fades away and you're just enjoying the 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 aura, the, 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 the excitement of the... That's just the right? There are certain things that when it comes to the lumasa, when it comes to the klipa, then we're not going to worry about what makes sense, what feels right, and so on and so forth. We're so involved, we're so immersed in the lumasa that the outside circumstances don't matter, and I'm able to just connect to the lumasa. Take that shtus and transfer it over to Kedusha. The way that somebody might stay up all night playing a computer game or watching whatever it is, YouTube videos of kittens chasing after buttons, 100 million views. So in that same way, stay up all night for bringing. It's a crazy thing to do. You're right. It's a crazy thing to do. It's shtus the kedusha. It's taking the shtus the leumasa and transforming it to shtus the kedusha. And that's ultimately what we're here for. We're not here that when it comes to kedusha, we should just do things that are light, that are easy, that are clear, that are logical. We're here. So that when it comes to Kedusha, we should have that same abandon that the Nefesh of Bahamas naturally has when it comes to Lu'umasa. Because the Nefesh of Bahamas doesn't think logically about the cinnamon Danish before it eats it. Again, this logic that the Nefesh of Bahamas employs is only the Danish is there and I'm here, how do I get there? But the eating of the Danish is with complete abandon. You know how they have certain restaurants where you go in and they give you a bib? <laughs> They're restaurants. If you go to a real fancy restaurant, you get this big steak, a fork and a knife, and a bib. Why? Because you're going to be eating it with such gusto that it's going to be dripping down your chin. So you have a bib before you start eating most people's experience with bibs are for babies. But the Nefesh Bahamas eats with such abandon that it loses its logic, its maturity. It becomes like a baby. That Shtustala Umasa, we have to turn over to Shtusta Kedusha. That I could learn a Taisvis with such abandon that I need a bib before I start learning the Taisvis with such excitement that I need a bib to be able to learn the taisus, because who knows what's going to happen while I'm eating the taisus. They say about the brisker of, that when he would eat the um, uh, 
Afikaiman, the matzah, at the end of the Seder, the Afikaima, when he would eat that piece of matzah at the end of the Seder, since that piece of matzah represents the carbon Pesach, he says he would connect it on such a level that you could see the fat dripping down his beard. <laughs> but it would be like he was literally eating the carbon Pesach. This is turning over the shtus de to shtus de kedusha. And that's our job here in this world. Our job isn't just to be logical Jews. Our job is to be illogical Jews. To go beyond logic. V'hainu, demea shtus de le'umasza, ye bebechina shtus de kedusha l'chein, therefore, haya mishkon me'atze shitim dafka. The mishkon was specifically from atze shitim. V'hainu, halamayla min hadas. That which is higher, super logical. That which is refined and transformed from that which is lower than logic. That's the objective. The objective is to take the lower than logic and transform it to higher than logic. This is what Hashem wanted from us. When He said, as we said in the beginning of the Mimer, in the Basi Legani, that make for me a Mikdash, and I will dwell in you. What's in you? Inside of every single individual Jew. That means, Hashem doesn't want a dwelling place in some holy mountain, which is up there, separated and aloof from the whole entire world, and just to live over there. Hashem wants a mountain in my world. In my bedroom, in my dining room, in my kitchen. That's where Hashem wants a dwelling place. Inside of every single individual that I should take my shtus and turn it over to shtus to Kedusha. And this is accomplished as we've discussed earlier in this Maimar through the Aveda of Birurim. The Aveda of Birurim means using something in a way that you're clearly tapping it into, connecting it to godliness, that you're showing that its raison d'etre, its purpose, its objective is to serve as a conduit for me to be able to connect to Hashem. That's why the whole world was created voracious. In the beginning of the creation of the whole entire world is Bishvil Yisrael U for the Jews to study Torah and to perform mitzvahs. That's why everything exists. And when I'm able to demonstrate that my phone exists for me to be able to connect to Hashem, then I'm accomplishing a true Mikdash, a true Mishkan, a true Dira Betachtenim. Shapoyal, because I'm affecting Le'ahapcha. Turning over the darkness into light. That means turning over the below logic, the shtus of the world. That there should be from this higher than logic that means a connection to Hashem. That's our purpose here. It's amazing. This is something you need to think about carefully. And now the, the, the Friedrich Rebbe gives an example over here in the Mimer. The Yashnam Kama Dvarim. We gave examples in, in, in our earlier discussion 
But the Friedrich Rebbe gives an example also. The Yashnam Kamat Verm Ba'adam, Shahunayag Vaisakain. There are many things that a person does and he conducts himself in that way. Why does he do it? Ask him, why are you wearing a tie? Why are you wearing a tie? What what, what logic is there in wearing a tie? <laughs> why would anybody wear a tie? What is a tie about? A scarf I get. It keeps you warm. Why do you wear a tie? So that your shirt shouldn't get dirty? What's the point of a tie? <laughs> because that's what the world does. <laughs> These things they're like a chayk by him. These things that he does, because that's what the world does, sometimes are so ingrained in him, they're so, they're like a chayk. They cannot be different. You cannot budge it from its place. That's what the world does, and I don't want to be different than everyone else. I don't want to do things which look crazy, which look ridiculous. The whole world is doing this. I want to do it too. For example, in certain matters of nimus, nimus means um, accepted conduct and similar to that. Hinei. This needs to be turned over to something which is higher than logic in our divine service. Like for example, Now this might not be like this so much nowadays, but when the Maimer was said, it was very much like that. There was a time on the clock which was breakfast time. And a time on the clock, which was lunch time. And a time on the clock, when you went to sleep. And these times were a chayk. This is what the whole world does, and this is what I do as well. Now it's time for breakfast, now it's time for lunch, now it's time for dinner, now it's time for sleep. Why? Because that's what everyone does. That's what the whole world does. Now, if you could take this idea and apply it to other similar things like it. Because of the feeling of the world, they're established in times, in these specific times. Because that's what the world does. Also the times when he has to start business. Nine o'clock to four o'clock. Those times are built in his azim. They cannot be budged. These times, by the most, for the most part, built in his azim, built in They cannot be budged. These times, if it comes that time, then the whole world needs to stop, and you need to. Do whatever it is that you do. It's interesting. When it cloud vicar at all. The, the, in, when you think of a holiday, what do you think of? What's the word holiday bring up in your imagination? Rest, relaxation, right? 
Beach. Just what's a beach? A beach is a place where you just go, you close your eyes, and you do nothing, right? That, that's the whole objective, right? Here you have boys who are on a holiday, right? And what are they doing on their holiday? They're coming to Yeshiva. What's the matter with them? They're going on a holiday, they're going to Yeshiva. They have nothing better to do with their time. That's where they're going to relax. This is, what, what kind of holiday is this, right? It's a Meshuggah thing. That's just the Kedusha. Lubavitch Yom Tevim, right? Mm-hmm. Every Lubavitch Yom Tev. There's any rest involved. <laughs> Pesach, the first nights of Pesach, the last nights of Pesach. You stay up all night, you don't go to sleep. Shruis, you stay up all night, you don't go to sleep. Sukkis, every night you're sitting and bringing a whole night, you never get a chance to sleep. Dancing and singing and bringing and reading the Haggadah and learning Torah and so on and so forth. That's what you're doing a whole day, a whole night. That's a yamtiv. That's shtus diktusha. That's shtus diktusha. Shtus diktusha is that it's not about getting stuck in a certain format. This is the way you have to have it in order that it should be able to work well. Shtus Tuktusha is about being alive and connecting to godliness and allowing godliness to flow through me and all sensible formatting falls away. The Friedrich Rebbe over here is saying in the Mimer, the way that it is when it comes to times that exist in the world, that it's time for Business to start. It's time for business to start. Nothing else matters. Everything else needs to stop because I need to do my business now. Because that's what the whole world is doing. It's 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. The bell is ringing. The market is opening. (coughs) And nothing else matters. I could be involved in a deep conversation and a this and a that. It doesn't matter. Everything else needs to stop. And the Fidik Rebbe says, where do you see that when it comes to the time of Shachris? The time of Shachris, everyone knows there's a time for Shachris. In every shul, they have their time when they're davening Shachris. But this guy is late. Why? Because his daughter was up in the middle of the night last night. This guy is late because he has a headache this morning, a stomachache this morning. The times of learning. Everybody knows there's a time when you have... A time when you're supposed to be sitting, you have a chavrisa, you have a shir, you have a this, you have a that. And yet those times are so flexible that they sometimes get pushed a little bit this way and pushed a little bit that way. And sometimes, as the Fidik Rebbe says, they're pushed away completely and forgotten about. Why is it that when it comes to the world... We have this deep connection to the world that the world cannot budge from its place, but when it comes to holiness, we don't have that same feeling. It should be the opposite. That's turning over the shtus von Welt to shtus de Kedusha. That's the point that the Maimer is making over here. And that's this last sentence of this paragraph. Uzmane hakvios, the times of kvios, 
where we which are set for Torah and Tefillah for learning Torah, a Shir, whatever it might be, or davening, Heim they are pushed away, Lahem Keva, and they have no set time. The Yesh and there are some that are Nidachim Lagami that are pushed away, God forbid, completely. That's exactly the opposite of the way that it's supposed to be. Now the truth is that it's also the opposite of logic. It doesn't make sense, as the Friedrich Rebbe continues to demonstrate. It doesn't make sense. Why doesn't it make sense? So I'll tell you a joke I remember from my father. That there are two friends that were baseball enthusiasts. You like baseball? No. South Americans. <laughs> two friends that were soccer enthusiasts. <laughs> Football. Yeah? And they decided, they made a pact between each other that whichever one passes away first is going to come to the other one and he's going to tell his friend um, uh, whether there's, we'll go back to the baseball, whether there's baseball in heaven. Yeah. Do they play baseball in heaven? He wants to know what, what, what does he have to look forward to? One of the friends passes away. A few nights later, he comes to his friend in a dream. And he says, I have good news for you and bad news. The good news is, there's baseball in heaven. The bad news is, you're up to bat. <laughs> no. So what happens when it comes time that a person needs to move on? Can he say, well, I had all of these dreams and plans that I didn't finish yet. Tell the Malach HaMavis to hold off for a few more moments until I finish everything that I need to do, and then I'll go. So this doesn't happen. Let's read inside. Hine ha'adam kasher neisen eizecheshben l'nafshe. When a person, when a person makes a calculation by himself, when a person thinks for a few moments, is there any logic in such behavior in not allowing that my time for davening and my time for learning Torah should be set without budging? And other things, they don't matter so much. I could not do business today because I'm busy doing a favor for another Jew or something like that. Who is it that knows his time? Who knows his time? It says in the Medrash, A person is not in control to say, Wait for me. Until I make all of my calculations. That means there are certain... Um, things that I still need to do, that I still need to write up, that I still still need to calculate, which I didn't yet finish. Wait for me until I finish. And I need to finish writing my will. I need to finish instructing my household. The Medrash says a person has no control to say something like that. When the Malach, who's 
appointed for these types of things knocks on the door, you don't have a choice to open it or to say, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. So how does a person give up his entire nefesh, his entire self, his entire life, on something which is completely transient, completely not real. Something Shain by Mamish Klal. You know the story of the guy that packed a suitcase of cash and he put it up in his attic so that when he passes on to the next world, he should be able to go, but say they be other, that he, he has what he needs with him. He'll be able to pay his way up there. After he passed away, his wife went and looked in the attic and the suitcase was still there. She says, I told him he should have put it in the basement. There are certain things which are real and certain things which are not. Certain things which you don't take with you. You don't, you can't hold on to them. You know the story of the guy, that there were, th- there were four friends. Three of them were Goyim, different types of Goyim, you fill in the blanks. And uh, one of them was Ayid. Four very close friends. The first one of this group passed away. They all came to the Levaya. They're all standing over there, over the the um, uh, caver with the... The, the, the freshly dug caver with the casket inside of it. And the first one gets up and starts crying. And he says, I, I, I feel like a part of me is going with you. And he takes a $100 bill from his wallet and he throws it into the caver. And the second one does something similar. The third one, he gets up over there, the Yid, he gets up over there, and he also, he starts crying, and he says, I feel like a part of me is going with you. He takes out his checkbook, he writes out a check for $300, takes $200 change. Um, There are certain things that you don't take with you. And those things are not things you should be spending your life pursuing. You should be spending your life chasing. You should be spending your life accumulating those things that you do take with you. The things that you go with you, those are the things that are important to accumulate. How can a person give up his whole life on something that has no no substance to it? Mamish is substance. And on the main thing, that which was the uh, objective when his neshama came down here below into the world, he completely forgets about. The reason for this is only because of the spirit of foolishness which covers over the truth. In other words, it's foolishness which causes us to chase things that are so transient, that are so unsubstantial. It's foolishness. It's rachtus de So what should be our aveda? Lapachtus To turn over this foolishness of the world. V'yamid al-nafsheh. And a person should stand up for his soul. 
Yamid al Nafshe, he should stand up for his soul, for himself, for his life. Viyikva la'itim, and he should establish times, Litaira for learning Torah, the Az Hinevishachanti Besaicham. This is the bottom line of the whole Maimer Basilagani is make sure that you have kvias itam l'tayra. Make sure that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, you have times when you study Torah. You have times when you know that this is the time that I am davening with the minion and nothing else matters. And I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be by that minion come what may. And I'm going to have that shear in Torah or that study partner, that chavrusa in Torah, come what may. Then Hashem says, I will dwell in you. In other words, when you're so steadfast in the holiness, in a way of shtus, the kedusha, then Hashem dwells within you. You're building a mishkan out of atzei shitim, there is the light of godliness which is shining inside of you. Vizehu, and this is the statement from the first chapter of Bas of, of Basilagani, which I still need to test you on. Mm-hmm. When you do iskafia to the other side, to the Yitzhara, you bend over the Yitzhara. What happens when you bend over the Yitzhara? And you're able to see the light of godliness shine through. As we've discussed at length, shall yidei through this that a person effects, he accomplishes to turn over the foolishness of the animal soul. Undem koch von Welt, the koch, the excitement of worlds. El haktusha to holiness, bekiyum haterva mitzvus and fulfilling Torah and mitzvus. Learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, as then istalik yikara the kutcha biruchu bechulu almin. Then you have the rising of the glory of kutcha biruchu in all of the worlds. Shemeir umeskala. What shines is not the arhamimale kol almin, as we've discussed at length. The light, the godliness, the godliness which is inside of the world. But what shines is God Himself. The identity of Hashem Himself, the Ur Hasaviv Kal Almin, the light which surrounds all of the worlds. Kitzer, in summary, Yevar, we explained Shtus Vahataya Lamaila Mitam Vidasta Ktusha, that there's a concept of Shtus which is swerving higher than logic. Ukumai, like for example, Afshatas Hergish Asaychov Amidas Besa Navua, when a person divests himself of the feeling of intellect and Midas, at the time that he is conveying prophecy, you have the Mishkan, which was built from Atzei Shittim, the Eshapcha of the Shtus del Umasa, the Shtus del Ktusha, and this is the way that it is in the Aveda of every single person. Ay, 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 ay,